630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, so the NHL putting out a extensive document about some initial return to play protocols. And maybe in early June, we will see players reporting to team facilities to work out and skate a little bit, likely groups of six or less. They'd have to wear masks into and exiting the arena. A lot of reminders to wash their hands, practice good hygiene. There are things in the document about wiping down bench areas and uh, what cleaning crew and staff would have to do to keep everything as safe as possible. So they're trying to get it done. Nothing is for sure. I have to keep emphasizing that. I know a lot of us would love to see the Stanley Cup awarded, would love to see how the Oilers would do in a playoff run. We're not there, but this document coming out and the planning indicates that we are a little closer to getting there. Coming up later on Inside Sports, between 7.30 and 8, I'll have a guy who loves to catch former Eskimos receiver Darius Bowman will be on the show. But first, we're going to have a guy who loves to dish it out. Pierce fight for the puck against Jonathan Taves. Nurse won the battle, tries to go inside. Score! Tyler Yamamoto upstairs! They have not called it a goal. They're going to call it a goal. It's 4-3. Tyler Yamamoto and Edmonton is within one with 11 minutes to go. All right, that, of course, is the voice of Oilers play-by-play man Jack Michaels. A game the Oilers ultimately came up just short in against the Chicago Blackhawks, who could be, could be the Oilers' play-in opponent if they eventually do go with this 24-team route. Jack, welcome back to the show, buddy. How have you been? I'm doing well, Reed. Hanging in there and obviously waiting to go back to work uh, for the Oilers. Yeah, David the Blackhawks, home team won all three. Uh, and, you know, I don't know where they're going to end up playing this best of five series, but uh, we know that it's probably not going to be played in Chicago, and that's where the Oilers lost twice to the Blackhawks this year. It's not the easiest draw. I can think of a lot of other teams that I'd necessarily like to see in a best of five series then one anchored by veterans like Corey Crawford and Duncan Keith and Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. But you deal with a hand that's dealt, and uh, the Oilers probably would tell you that if they can't beat Chicago in a best of five, they don't deserve to be going deep into the Stanley Cup playoffs anyway. But uh, it does make for an intriguing matchup. Quite frankly, in my mind, uh, the most intriguing uh, potential best of five first-round series in either conference. You know, Jack, what's really interesting about this whole thing, and maybe not interesting in a positive way, but I think a lot of us like sports because it gives us a resolution. It is often black and white. This team won, this team lost. You can anticipate something, but you often get a resolution relatively soon. Hey, there's rumors about a player being traded. Well, the trade deadline's in a week. We're going to know one way for another hey, we're worried about how the Oilers are going to go against this team. Well, they play on Friday. We'll know for sure by then. This situation we're in now is tough because we don't know what's going to happen. It changes sometimes daily. The word last weekend coming into my show, I guess I did a show on Tuesday, but the word on the Canadian long weekend 
was, okay, they might have 24 teams, but they won't go straight to the playoffs. They'll have some sort of a completion to the regular season and allow teams to jockey for position. And now a week later, that appears to be out the window and it would be a play-in round and then the playoffs. So we can talk about Edmonton and Chicago for now. I don't know if that's what it's going to be if and when they actually play. Well, that's true. I mean, I think, though, we're we're hungry for some sort of, you know, series uh, possibility to talk about. I, I think, you know, dates are still a long ways off. And you're right. It, obviously, things could change. Uh, right now, those top four seeds are, are determined by points percentage. And, you know, it turns out that that last loss suffered by Edmonton knocks them out of the top four against the Winnipeg Jets on the night, you know, eventually while well, the NBA season was paused and then the very next day, midday, the NHL season was paused. So uh, you're absolutely right. There, I mean, there's too many variables to get really deep into the series, but I do think, you know, people, hey, they thought that match last night uh, with Tom Brady shanking it all over the place was compelling. So you know people are hungry for live sports. You know people want to talk about potential matchups. And so uh, the least you and I can do is indulge them a little bit. I'm not sure if that was compelling. And I, you know what? I, oh, I, I love I, golf. I, I thought it but, was. I mean, it was like, well, quite frankly, for a while there, it was like watching me golf. I mean, it was... <laughs> Like, I, I think I, I, the best exchange of the night was when Brady went woods, water, cart path, and uh, Barkley said, what's wrong with that? I mean, that was kind of the epitome of Tom Brady's front nine. He did stuff in a wedge. Uh, I haven't done yeah. that for a long, long time. So, uh, obviously, he got it together. But uh, I think that was uh, that was kind of a round that'll keep Brady's uh, handicap at a healthy eight for now. Yeah, I, I didn't even watch that. And, and I, I love golf, I but it was... I didn't watch Reed, but what was, I did watch yeah. was made me feel better about my own horrendous game. Well, and that's what you're, how you realize... I mean, look, the, the players who participate in any given sport are, are so elite in that sport. And it's not easy to just transfer over. I mean, okay, two of the best quarterbacks of all time... Great. Try hitting shots against Woods and Mickelson. It's hopeless. It's hopeless to play on that stage. Good for Brady for making that shot. I think he made an eagle putt as well. But one thing I always find abusing, Jack, and maybe there are some guys who could do it, and there have been some two-sport athletes, but I always am amused when an athlete gets interviewed and they and they say, well, what, what do you think you would have done if you weren't a pro football player? I would have been in the NBA I would have played pro soccer. I would have, like it's not that easy. Like just because you're really good at one sport, you know how hard it would have been to be that good in a different sport. It's almost impossible unless you're Bo Jackson, maybe. or Deion Sanders. Deion well, right. Sanders was one. Or I guess if you're Bud Grant, uh, who I think to this day is the only guy ever to play in both the NFL and the NBA. I believe he's still the only one with that distinction. And of course, uh, a guy who. who probably first came to great fame in this country as head coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I, I love you how you drop in. Did I, did I stop I, you there? You seem I did know, that, of course, that he was a coach of the, uh, in the Canadian well, Football I knew, League. You, I knew you knew he was coach of the Blue Bombers, but did you know he also both played in the NFL and the NBA? No, I didn't know that he also played in the NBA. So he played American football, he played Canadian football, and he played the National Basketball Association. That, that's that's got to be the only guy on that list. I yeah, can't imagine anybody else. No, there there I, there's no one who's played in the NBA and the NFL, to my knowledge, other than Bud Grant. 
And, uh, you know, Bud Grant, of course, uh, I think he played with the, I want to say he played with the Eagles in the NFL. And uh, in the NBA, he played with uh, George Mikan, among others, you know, one of the top, you know, 50 all-time greatest uh, National Basketball Association players. And, of course, at that time, the Lakers based in Minneapolis, where, of course, uh, Bud Grant would achieve his greatest fame as uh, the four-time Super Bowl coach of the Minnesota Vikings. I just brought him up. Minneapolis Lakers 49-51. to Philadelphia Eagles fifty-one to fifty-two, Blue Bombers fifty-three to fifty-six, Coach the Bombers fifty-seven to sixty-six, Coach the Vikings sixty-seven to eighty-three, long run, and then went back in uh, eighty-five. Four-time Great Cup champion, NFL champion in sixty-nine, and won both CFL and NFL Coach of the Year. So there you go. Well, I don't know if people thought they'd be being educated on Bud Grant tonight, but there's a little bit of fun there. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, what else Jack. You got Mike, for me, Reed. I got to ask you a question about your craft because we always get into some play-by-play stories, and and I love how you take us behind the scenes, whether it's uh, having strippers sent to the play-by-play booth or things you do to prepare for games. The thought of calling a game off a monitor, because if there are games, and even if there are, even if they are in Edmonton, we don't know how much, if any, media will be allowed in. So calling a hockey game off a monitor, have you done it before? Let people know about how that changes the vibe for you. I've never done it before, and, I, you know, I thought it was going to be weird to potentially call games in, in, in front of no fans, which is really what I thought we might be doing for the last game of the homestand against the New York Islanders. I mean, at, at one point I was thinking, you know, we might not get into a situation where – you know, we're going to have fans in, in, in Rogers place for the rest of the season. And, you know, there was a time where I thought maybe the season would move forward without fans. Uh, that didn't turn out to be the case. And that was going to be weird calling off a monitor. I've never done it. Reed. And to be honest with you, if that's where we end up going with this thing, I, I'm probably going to practice. I'm probably, you're going to probably, you know, see me invade, invade the Chad studios and, and call a period off a monitor. I haven't done it. Uh, I want you know, a certain standard to be upheld, even if it's, you know, a little bit weird for all of us when, we, when uh, you know, the NHL does return. But I also want to hit the ground running with this thing, and I don't want to be struggling. So i got to be honest with you, as, as confident as I am that I can handle it, I, I do want to try it because it's, uh, it's something I've never done. I know people have done it, and I know people have done it exceptionally well. Right now, in the abstract, I have a hard time envisioning me as as someone who can who can do it well. So you know, I want to I want to just kind of I want to get a feel for it before we go for real because it is it is going to be unique. And I'd be lying to you if I said uh, you know I was completely confident. Hey, no problem. It's going to be you know easy peasy. I, I don't feel that way at all. So uh, it's one of the things that one of the many challenges. I mean, we're all going to. We're all going to face challenges, both personally and professionally, in the in the months and years ahead. Uh, that's one that uh, you know I'm looking to tackle head on and, and get it right. I'll have to lobby for them to get you an 80 inch television if you wind up coming into 630. Well, How does that I, sound? That is, I mean, I'll tell you. I mean, you're not going to have to lobby. That's probably going to be a, a hard conversation between me and me and your superior because that's going to be absolutely like. I'm gonna. We'll we'll need two TVs because we're not gonna be. Uh, you know, we're not gonna be sharing one monitor. That's for sure. Uh, I want I want the ability to get this thing right. So yeah, well, 
We'll, uh, it'll, it'll probably be involved some sort of investment down there. I imagine it'll be, it'll be reconfigured down there. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's going to be, uh, you know, a new challenge and, and, uh, you know what I'm, I'm looking forward to, cause obviously if, if it is, uh, something in the offing here, it means we'll be back. And I, and more than anything, I, you know, I just want to get back to work. I want, you know, Oiler fans to have some closure on this season. And, uh, you know, we're all hoping to uh, achieve whatever the new normal is as quickly as possible. I just, I, I, to me, it's going to be so weird if, if, we, if it comes to this, how the games are going to sound. Like, it'll look weird enough without fans in the stands, but watching on television, the camera's moving, you know, back and forth. You're focused on, on the ice. It'll, I think it'll be right. weirder for the players looking up and seeing empty seats. John Shannon was on with me last week, and he made a good point about some of the rink mics. Uh, there might be some naughtier language than we're used to hearing. There may have to be a feed that, that doesn't include that. But that is going to sound so weird. I mean, maybe they'll still have a goal horn if if uh, if the team designated as the home team scores a goal or just have a horn for everybody like they do in the Olympics. But it's just going to sound so much differently without that crowd reaction. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say that uh... – you know, I'm one of those people that that feeds off the energy of of you know how I do things. I mean, I you know I think the crowd, uh, I think the crowd enhances you know my what whatever you think of my abilities. I think the crowd enhances them. I, I think uh, I'm not the same guy if if the crowd's not in the game. Uh, you know, I get wrapped up in the game just like everyone watching the game, and I think one of the if I was to list a strength of mine, it's it's capturing the feeling in the building. And I feel like, you know, if if the building's going, I'm going. And so, you know, that, there's there's a lot of things to be dealt with here in, in the coming weeks. And it is going to be surreal. It's, it's like you said, you know, I mean, you know, if I am allowed to call a game in the arena, something that's occurred to me, you know, is it possible the players would be able to hear my call? I mean, it's just, it's a strange, you know, it's it's a strange time for everyone. There's lots of things to sort out. Uh, I just hope that, you know, we can do it as safely as possible, but we could also, we could also do it at some point and sooner rather than later. Dave writing into the show, you can text 780-496-0063. He says, I think Jack Michaels could do a game by Morse code and it would still be exciting. Love him and miss him big time. (laughs) Do you know Morse code? There's the question. You know, I'm, uh, you know, again, like I said, this is, this is new time. And, uh, you know, I'm going to, I think it's going to make everyone better, you know, and, and this is going to be a new skill. And I have, you know, I've always, you know, been fascinated when people have, you know, told me they've called games off monitors and, you know, 3,000 miles away. And, and, you know, I've listened back to them and been kind of amazed at, at how, you know, you wouldn't know that necessarily. And I think that's a real skill. So it's it's one that hopefully I can acquire in a reasonably short amount of time. Jack, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Hope you and your family are doing well. Of course, we'll keep checking in with you. And all the best, buddy. Thanks for chiming in tonight. 
I appreciate it, Reed. But again, you're kind of deceiving the audience. I, we've talked about this before. I can specifically remember at least three occasions where you texted me after the show and said it really wasn't a pleasure. So, you know, <laughs> please try to, as we move forward, Reed, turn to a little bit more audience, you know, honest with your audience. I think they'll appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> All right. Hit him straight, Reed. Get out on that course. The, the game of golf needs you. Oh, sure it does. Yeah, that's uh, that. Talk about something that's not entirely honest. The game of golf does not need Reed Wilkins, but I, 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 I haven't played yet. I, I, I probably will the next couple of weeks. That is Jack Michaels, uh, and it is a pleasure to have him on the show. It's also a pleasure that uh, I give him a hard time and he gives it back. That's pretty fun. Big Jack says, "I feel like there should be an app for crowd noise for big games." Now that is a great idea, a crowd noise app. So maybe you put it on your phone, you put one ear in uh, with the earbud or whatever you have for an earphone, and, and you have the crowd noise coming in that way. You should patent that big jack, just like I need to patent my hologram Christmas tree idea. Thanks for tuning in tonight, man. Beautiful day yesterday. Hope you're able to get out and enjoy it a little bit. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Jeremy from Glendon says, uh, hey, Reed, can Jack call the next Glendon pierogi eating contest? Well, Jeremy, I will have to look into that. Oh, and Big Jack says the app I was imagining, imagining would actually pipe crowd noise into the arena. Okay, the more push of a button by fans equals more crowd noise in the building for players and the broadcast. All viewers could have an interactive experience. Big Jack, that is a good idea. And sorry, I misunderstood where I, I thought you meant you'd have a there'd be an app for crowd noise that would provide you with noise as you're watching the game. But Jack's actually, Big Jack's actually thinking you do you have an app that you interact with as a viewer and that sends the crowd noise into the arena. So it's like, Jack, would you have a button for booing and a button for cheering and then a button for even louder cheering? Maybe you could do something like that. That's not a bad idea. Kellen Kennedy is our studio producer this evening back at the 630 Chet Broadcasting Compound as I continue to broadcast from the uh, luxurious spare bedroom in my house. Kellen, how are things, buddy? Kellen, if you're talking, I can't hear you. How about now? <laughs> I heard that. I heard you say, how about now? How, how ironic. A guy pushing the buttons hit the wrong button. He hit the wrong button. Are you doing okay? I'm doing good, man. Doing great. You have remained going into work through all this. Uh, so good for you. Not a lot of people there at the studio. How was your mm. weekend? Uh, busy, man. Just, uh, you know, got a lot of stuff done around the house and, uh, you know, just spring cleaning is a huge process and I'm glad I'm getting a chance to do it. So any wrestling news I should know about? Uh, there was a big AEW pay-per-view on the weekend. Really great show. Uh, five stars. A&W? AEW. Oh, I thought you said there was a big, but I was thinking, was it like the root bear against Riley takes the snap, 
goes play action with Gable. He's got some time. He's going to the end zone. There it is. Touchdown, Eskimos. Adarius Bowman takes the first pie out of the oven, and the Eskimos have struck first in the West semifinal. There's Riley, takes the snap. That's the ball once, goes deep. He's got Bowman absolutely wide open, and he just waltzes into the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. Adarius Bowman's got a pair. Adarius Bowman, two-touchdown performance in the 2017 CFL West semifinal as uh, the Eskimos were able to knock off the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on the road. Adarius Bowman, a very productive and popular member of uh, the Edmonton Eskimos who was here from 2011 to 2017. That actually turned out to be his last game with the green and gold. And, uh, of course, a few months ago, he uh, announced his retirement from pro football, and we are finally able to catch up with this very elusive receiver tonight. Adarius, you're on with Reed. Hope you're doing well. How are things, buddy? I'm doing amazing, man. That uh that commercial highlight right there kinda got me pumped up, you know? And so uh yeah, man, doing amazing, man. I'm glad the weather's better around here in Edmonton and uh glad to be on tonight. Well, it's good to catch up with you. I mean, you and I have chatted a few times over the year, and obviously, you know Morley and Dave uh, very well. You're always uh, a you're always a very honest and energetic person to uh to interview i think you always told fans and media how it was and you stood in there after the bad games as well as the good ones you got to hear more of these highlights there uh, obviously you guys don't get to hear a lot of those <laughs> a lot of those yeah. a lot of those calls like I, I know you watch a lot of game film but after a game would you go watch a sports cast to see your own highlights or would you wait for the game film i would not i can't, I, I normally catch it on the game field but if i'm ever in the presence of Odell Willis, he he only listens to TV TV copy. <laughs> yeah, so that's I have my moments, and he only watches self, so it's kind of it's kind of difficult at times. But yeah, I have my moments where I'm able to catch it. All right, uh, when you hear Morley call those touchdowns, what kind of memories does that bring back from that game? Oh man, number one, it made me say uh, I haven't officially announced my retirement. Now, a while back when that happened. I didn't announce, but I think the media just kind of grabbed it. So uh, okay. it actually, it actually, uh, I'm always training and working out. So uh, it actually made me feel like I had a game next week. <laughs> okay, so you're not officially retired. So does that not mean yet. you still might play, or what's your mindset? Uh, just be ready, you know. And so, uh, like I say, just be available. Uh, I've, I've let a couple of people know. Just like I say, uh, I'm at your service if you need it. You know, not really. I'm not. I'm not on the gas pedal, like, pushing it, you know, but uh, if it was somebody that needed a veteran guy at some point, man, I'm, I'm so ready. You know, uh, you know, I uh, had an amazing career. Uh, love this country. I'll probably never leave here. But uh, I can't say as, as, as an athlete, I felt like uh, I didn't leave the way I wanted to, you know. Uh, so uh, I think I still got that itch. You got it. You got to go in and update your Wikipedia page. It actually says you're retired, and it even and then it even references a newspaper article that you're retired. So yeah, that's, that day so, that day that that happened, it, it got out of hand. I was like, "What is going on?" I got calls from I mean, TSN. I got calls from CFL. I got calls from the Eskimos. They was wondering if I retired as an Alouette. I'm like, no, you know. And so uh, for me, man. Uh, I, I missed that green and gold. I'm not going to lie, you know, and that's that's kind of where I wanted to finish my career. So, uh, you know, that itch is definitely here in Edmonton. Uh, if it happened, I'm not sure, but I'm going to be ready just in case if it do. 
Okay. Tell, tell me a little bit about the decision to, to uh, hang out in Edmonton. Uh, I mean, obviously, you, you grew up in the States. Uh, you played at uh-huh. Oklahoma State where we got Juba Hubbard being a star right now, and you did play in some other Canadian cities. So uh, how come Edmonton is the one that feels like the most home to you? Oh, man, uh, I think you just said it. It's home, you know, uh, and I think it's uh, hats off to Edmonton as a community, as a city. You know, uh, it, it fits with my morals and, and my character mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm off the field and also on the field. Uh, like you said, I played in a couple other cities, but uh, nothing's like uh, city of champions, you know. And so, uh, I, 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 my 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 two daughters was born here. Uh, have the charity nonprofit organization uh, Dairies for Autism still here. And uh, like you say, it's it's became a, a home base for me. You know, like I know my neighbors. I've seen kids when they were six, and then they're 13, they're teenagers. I've seen some guys go off to college. I got to meet Cuba when he was in ninth and tenth grade. I got to help Brock coach at Harry Ainley. So, like, I don't know. My, uh, I kind of spent my adulthood here and, and got married here. And so, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just hard to leave. It's hard to leave this place. Uh, amazing, amazing people. And, and you guys are here too. So, uh, I miss out on these great things. All right, on. Tell tell people what you've been doing though to keep busy uh, since since you haven't played since 2018. Have you jumped into business? You working? What are you doing? Oh man, definitely. Uh, tried to tap into my business aspect of thing. I was a uh, I had the the privilege to work with Foster Park Brokers, which was an amazing experience. This whole COVID 19 thing hit, and so uh, we're kind of working from home now. So and, and nobody knows where it's gonna go from here. And I hope it's up. But I uh, got to jump into that and. Uh, I can't say uh, been an athlete majority of my life, all of my life. <laughs> been an athlete majority of my life. I, uh, I don't know how most athletes do, but I start wondering after a while, you know, what is it that I'm, what else am I able to do, you know? And so I, I just really want to test myself. And, uh, and, and it worked out, you know, it was definitely a, a curveball at first. I think the terminology and, and the studying, it was almost like school to get licensed and doing that. But then uh, after you're getting your license with the insurance get, it's, it's kind of like interacting with people, you know. And then I, I got a, I got a great networking circle here in Edmonton. So it, that was actually an amazing experience. And I enjoyed that. Doing this whole quarantine thing, though, uh, I was able to pick up a couple more skills. You know, I, I got a good buddy of mine that owns a, a carpenter and a construction company. So I was able to help out and kind of go down on some sites. And I, I put a deck together. I, I helped build a garage, you know. And so... uh I helped do a basement, so I don't know. Picked up a few things. I, I didn't think I had it in me, so uh, yeah, man, it's it's just been amazing. You're a busy guy. That's good to hear. Darius Bowman joining us tonight at Inside Sports. Darius for autism. This was has been so important to you. Can you uh-huh. maybe just tell us, you know, how how you get involved with uh, with kids and families affected by autism, and maybe the impact it's had on you as well as the impact you've had on the people you've met. Well, I definitely, I definitely know they've had more of an impact on me than than me on them. But uh, what really got me last in was a uh, our great Alberta, Alberta bred Brock Ralph, uh, now coaching at Harry Angley. His 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 oldest daughter Oakley. When we was back in Winnipeg, uh, for myself, uh, I did elementary education in, in university, and so I had heard of the term autism, but I had never really interacted with someone who had autism. And uh, when we was uh, my time in Winnipeg back in 09 and 2010, uh, that's when Brock found out that his daughter was diagnosed, his oldest daughter, Oakley. And so, uh, yeah, I just had a, a day-by-day, like, close quarters, like, contact with her and just 
was watching how he was balancing that, and also he had another daughter, and he was also playing ball and making plays, and then I just got, I kind of got admired to like uh, his family, his little family he had, and just like the way that he was working it, and then uh, by being around and helping him, man, I just kind of got very close with Oakley, just her learning curve, you know, to some, they look at it, and, and, and she's not on the, she's not on the grade scale, is the norm that we've made, but from what I was seeing, she was advancing so fast, you know, going from, like, nonverbal, now she can speak some. And just, like, the whole thing, the way that she did puzzle pieces, you know, and and, and it just got me close. And then I, uh, it finally hit me, you know, I remember one day Brock was, we was sitting up talking, and he said, man, I wonder if my daughter would always live with me. Would she ever be able to work? Would she ever get married? And at that time, I didn't have kids. So it almost made, it made me wonder a little bit, like, man, you know, what if I had an autistic kid, you know? And so by that, I was like, you know, let me just try to learn a little bit more about it. Maybe I could help Oakley one day, you know? And, and after that, not just Oakley, I ended up meeting tons of kids and tons of uh, actually a lot of adults as well, you know, hearing their story and, and being able to help them. But, yeah, that's really what got me lo- locked in. And then uh, with the Darius for Autism, it started off as a fitness thing. But now we're trying to, like secure jobs for these these adults and young adults you know and so they can able to get a little bit more dependence from themselves when you're dealing with autism it's such a huge spectrum you have your lower functioning and your higher functioning so it's it's it's, uh, it's definitely a place out there for them to to advance and 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 live a great life too so that really what got me locked in well, that's exciting that you're doing that and you're sticking with that and, and good good for you. I mean, I know there's been so much positive reaction when when you started doing that and good for you that you, you've kept doing it here, um, you know, after, after uh, you haven't played since 2018. So that's, that's really cool. Darius Bowman joining us tonight at Inside Sports. I mentioned Chuba Hubbard. One of my all-time favorite segments on this show, Darius, since I started hosting was when Chuba committed to Oklahoma State oh, and man. without telling him, we got you to call in. And, yeah. <laughs> and congratulate him while that was um, going on. Uh, just tell me what you see in this young man and, and watching his career. He decided not to go into the NFL draft yeah. this year, so another year at uh, with the Cowboys. Yeah, so, man, uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie, man. I, I remember seeing this kid when he was in ninth grade and 10th ten, grade, that Facey, uh, over there in Sherwood Park. And uh, I became a fan of his instantly, that moment. So, uh for me, uh, his career is just getting started. Uh, the plays that he made last year, I'm not going to say I predicted the whole 2000 thing, but I knew he had the potential to be a great running back, you know, with the speed and the body type that he has. And uh, actually, I've, I've, I've had the privilege to be able to stay in touch, touch with Chuba, so I kind of kind of heard his input on his decision that he made to stay, and I, and I really liked I really love the way – I love his character and the way that he carries himself. Like, when, when I'm dealing – when I see younger athletes, you know, the talent is always – what you like to see, but when a when a player is able to add character to that, that's where I see them going over the top. And and that was something that that Chuba always had. He has a great character. So man, uh, I think we're just we're, we're just seeing the, the beginning parts of what this kid is going to do. You know. Do, do you think? I mean, his decision not to go into the draft this year. Do you think uh, he, he should have just gone for it, or is another year of college good at this point? I, have y'all spoke to Chuba lately? Uh, I was on the I was on a conference call with him when he won the John Cornish Award. <laughs> yeah, which it was amazing. I'm so proud of him. Well, yeah, during that process, you know, we had a moment to, you know, he asked for my insight, and uh, honestly, I had no 
no say of the decision he made, but I was able to listen to it and I heard him out. And uh, man, once again, that's why I say the character of this kid is is just unreal. You know, he want to finish his degree. You know what I mean? He's he's made an amazing bond with his teammates, and he really loved the city of, of Stillwater. And it, it it takes me back to myself. I was a guy that everybody said I should have left my junior year, but I had some of those same those my same responses. What that's what made me be a fifth year senior. You know, I I, I love the team I had been playing with. I was so close to getting my degree. And and then I, you know, I had a great coaching staff, and so, well, I, I'm a person that will say he made a great decision. You know, uh, you know, we we always, you know, you go, you know, you go make your money, support your family, you do that. But like, let's be honest, like the NFL is gonna be there. You know, like it's gonna be there. You know, but are we guaranteed to always go back and get our degrees? Are we? Are you guaranteed another year with those guys that you're, you're not? You know, and so uh, for me. I support his decision. You know, you can always go the other way, and I think he would have did amazing. But the fact that that was some of his values and his moral views on, like, how he wanted to do his last year and the fact that he knew what it was he wanted to do, he wasn't really on the fence or letting somebody persuade him. I, I, hats off to this kid. I, I, I like him even more. <laughs> Uh, Darius, uh, I mean, look, you, you spent uh, 11 seasons in the CFL, so you know the league well. Um, yeah. You know, you know the different markets. And unfortunately, it's uh, a lot of there are a lot of question marks swirling around the league right now. There might not be a season. And yeah. that has some concerns about the long term future of the league. Yeah, you know, how do you look at, at what the CFL is going through and, and what it's going to have to do to survive a shortened season or maybe no season this year? Um, and honestly, uh, and I'm being so serious. It actually makes me sad, you know. And it, and I'm I don't like feeling that feeling, but it does. And I think uh, the reason why is I'm a part of that CFL tradition. Like I'm I'm a part of it. I lived it. I've walked it. You know. I, I've I've seen the the passion in the players. I've seen the passion in the coaches. I've seen the passion in our fans. I've seen the passion in the, in the support of this country. Also, other countries across the world. You know, I came in the CFL in 08, which isn't that long. You know, the history go way back. But even from 08 to the past few years, it's been such a huge change in, like, the TV time, the the, the game day festivities we have, the, the young youth that's coming up in Canada. So, like, man, I, I see all these things that's, that's uh, evolved and happened with this league. It, and it, it, to even hear a thought of it that it, it, it could end or something, that just makes me sad, you know. And so... Uh, a guy that's not on the field right now, not on the contract, but like I say, uh, I'm a part of it, you know. I, I just wish, uh, I hope that whatever's best to keep the CFL as the CFL, I hope that happens. Darius Bowman joining us at Inside Sports. So Darius, I got to look back on a, a couple of things in your career. Uh, I mean, you had Chris Jones as a head coach while you were at the yeah. Eskimos. The 2015 yeah. Eskimos team, well, to me, one of the best in franchise history, 14-4, um, and four, won its final 10 games. Chris Jones is an interesting guy. I mean, he left. He went to Saskatchewan. Uh, please forgive me, but I know a lot of Riders fans. And they always said, Chris Jones, he's a good coach, but he pays too much attention to defense. He doesn't let the offensive guys do their thing. And I used yeah. to, you know, get that from fans here in Edmonton as well. Give us give us the, the, the real story. Were, was the offense under chains a little bit with Jones as the coach? Did he pay more attention to the defense? Tell us, set everybody straight here. Uh, man, number one, I want everybody to know Coach Jones one of my favorite coaches that I've had. You know, uh, I, I've had the privilege of being coached by tons of great people. But in the terms of, like, uh, 
the way that he prepared us and his his his, his consistency and his accuracy on like he, he has a lot of skills, you know, his scouting and he's a defensive specialist. So I think it's more of that rather than you know, and you can look at it. You know, everybody have their opinion of most multiple ways to look at it, but the way that I've seen it is, uh, you know, and, and Coach Jones used to always say that, Coach Jones and Ed Herbie, you know, know your role, play your role. And I felt like Coach Jones knew his role and he played his role. So I don't think it was ever that he was putting chains on the offense. He's just a defensive specialist. But I think the benefits in, in that, that, that 2015 team that we had, uh, myself, Calvin McCarty, Mike Riley, um, uh, uh, young guys like Darrell, Kenny Stafford, uh, big uh, Matt O'Donnell, Justin Sorensen, like the the veteran receivers. Getzlaff uh, came with us that next year, not that year, but the the veterans that we had there. I think Coach Jones appreciated that because we didn't allow that chain response to even happen. You know, he he took it upon us, and he he'll let you know if you ever talk to Coach Jones, he'll tell you right away. I know how to stop offenses, but I'm not an offense. I'm not an offensive coach. You know what I mean? And so he actually was very helpful to us in the sense of he was able to come in and almost like break down whatever defensive coach that we was going up against, and it allowed us to be able to change our plays and our routes throughout the week. You know, and uh, having Coach McAdoo back then, I think it was a great mix. You know, always if you broke a person down one by one, you can look at their strength and their weaknesses. But I think uh, we just had some very special and. uh yeah, Jones is just a de- he's a, he's an amazing guy to me. He's a defensive specialist. Why why do you think you guys were able to win pretty much every close game you were in? You didn't blow a lot of teams out, but if it was yeah. close in the fourth quarter, I mean, the most lopsided game you guys had in that ten game winning streak, oddly enough, was the West Final against a very good Calgary team. Most yeah. of the games were ten points or less. Yeah, and Calgary actually like came back, like came back and did work, which we knew, but uh. And I think it was that 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 was one of the things that I loved about Coach Jones. You know, he definitely uh, it, it was a fine line between cockiness and confidence. You know, some people would look at Coach Jones and 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 maybe consider him cocky, but he 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 put a different type of confidence in us. And I think the guys, you know, like uh, I played on a lot of great teams, but that the 2015 team uh, always, you know, I I can't say it's number one to me. And then there was the character of guys we had there. You know what I mean? When you're able to like. Look to your left and your right, and, and if the chain just keeps going down, every guy was thinking and knew the same thing. You know, when you get those teams, you know, we're, we're professionals, we're grown men. Everybody has their has their thing that they do to get themselves ready. Everybody celebrates a little different than others. But uh, that year, out of all the years that I played, we, we made a standard amongst the players, and everybody was holding up to it. And, and it was like a – it was a beautiful thing, you know, and so uh, even myself, you know, made some changes, you know what I mean, and, and everybody was down for the next person, and then we was able to get get it done, you know, and so uh, that was, when it comes to team chemistry, that was the highest team camaraderie I had ever been a part of. All right, and one final for you, Darius. We'll have to have you on again. Thanks for being so generous with your time. Always. This is fun. Always. Do you have a favorite play or catch that you were involved in in the CFL? Favorite play? Or catch. Uh, I definitely have to have to throw that one when I was in Winnipeg. It might have been 16. I don't think it was 15. It's possible it could have been 16. And I think Mike, I was running a double move. I think Mike turned it up there. 
And uh, I kind of amazed myself a little bit, you know. I, was, I didn't amaze myself with catching it, but the landing was kind of worrying me when I was in the air. I felt like I was floating forever. And he ended up catching me on the deep route right there. That was uh, that was hand down one of the best. And then I had a couple of, uh, not just one play, I had a couple of hat tricks throughout my career around here in Edmonton, man. And, and every time that would happen, it's, it's just an amazing feeling, man. Like, to even get in the end zone once, it's an amazing thing, but to fill it three times in one game, uh, I think that's pretty unique for any player yeah. that can do it. I remember that catch in Winnipeg. I think you had two defenders draped all over you as well, so that was pretty impressive. They, they actually, they actually helped my fall, so it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, Darius, thanks for checking in. All the best as you move along here, and we'll see if we get you back in the CFL and keep going with uh, Darius for autism. A couple people have texted in thanking you for that. Great to have you on the show. Oh, man, always, man. You guys stay safe, man. Stay healthy. You know what I mean? And everything, hopefully everything gets back to where it's supposed to be soon. We can see each other. And, and yeah, man, keep me in touch, fellas. I'm here. I'm at your service. And as soon as this COVID thing works out, we'll talk about this. This training program, me and Odell is trying to bring to our youth here. So keep us in the loop. That is a Darius Bowman. We're back to wrap it up in a couple of minutes. All right, great to catch up with a Darius Bowman and Jack Michaels. We're back at 7 o'clock tomorrow. The latest on the return to play in the National Hockey League, Kelly Rudy on the show tomorrow. Go to the contest page on 630chet.com. You can win a pair of golf passes to the Ranch Golf and Country Club. My name's Reed. Take care. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.